Welcome to The Brief. I'm John T. Summers, Metro Chair and your host today. In this episode, I've the pleasure of sharing a preview of our upcoming Metra Leadership Majlis in Riyadh. This is METPRA's very first conference in Saudi Arabia for communication leaders. It's going to be held on Monday the 21st of October at the Hyatt Regency Riyadh Olaya. If you haven't already secured your tickets, get them at metpra.org forward slash events. So I'd like to welcome one of our event partners to the podcast today, Editor-in-Chief of Arab News, Faisal Abbas. Faisal, good morning. How are you? Good morning. We're delighted to be partnering with you uh, at this event, and I'm sorry I can't be there in person. But you've, you've got things to do, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But Faisal, so one of, one of your, we've got, we're very fortunate, we've got, um, we've got your senior correspondent for, for Riyadh, uh, Noor Nogali, who's going to be cho- joining us on our panel around the changing face of modern media. Just from your perspective, how have you seen media in Saudi Arabia change, say, over the last five, six, ten years? Well, um, the very fact that you have a female correspondent, and as you know, Noor is our senior correspondent for uh, Riyadh. Um, she covers mostly the diplomatic and, and, and political beats. That's in, in itself is quite a change. Uh, and uh, um, most of these changes are not that old, actually. They're, we're talking about two or three years. Um, so I started in Arab News on the 26th of September 2016. And uh, on that day, uh, there was segregation in the newsroom. So females were sitting on one side. Even uh, in 2016? Yes. Wow. Uh, and uh, one of our uh, first uh, achievements uh, at Arab News is we literally uh, brought down the wall and, uh, you know, uh, we put uh, males and females uh, together. And then we went on to to have an initiative which is called the 5050 by 2020, which aims to have the Arab world's first gender balanced newsroom by uh, next year. Okay. Uh, and how, how are you going on that at the moment? Well, we started with the three women. Uh, imagine having a whole section built for three, uh, three staff members. And now we're on 36% uh, worldwide. So, um, you know, I'm quite confident we will uh, meet our our target. But, you know, if we miss it by just an inch, uh, that's still quite a big achievement going from, uh, you know, uh, three ladies to having about 40%. Um, The other other thing is... um, uh, the the change in the kind of momentum and the the pace. So uh, Saudi Arabia used to be the easiest country in the Middle East to cover because essentially nothing happened, and uh, you know you would have think tankers and analysts appearing on CNN and BBC and giving a very long explanation to a very short answer, which is is very predictable. Uh, so what has happened over the past two or three years is that literally nobody could predict what's going to happen next in Saudi Arabia. I'm very fortunate. Um, you know, I didn't plan this, but if I were to go back, I would actually, I would never mention this to my employer, but I would actually pay for this experience because uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, too, it's, too, it's too late to, to take that back. <laughs> so what I meant Can was... I have a pay rise for 2017, <laughs> please? <laughs> so uh, what I meant is, look, I look back now and you know I was there through uh, you know change is never a straight line you know this it's always a zigzag there's always ups and downs but you know um, I was there when women were allowed to drive Um, I was there with uh, our uh, female staff who were literally jumping up and down and you know they insisted to stay in the office until the paper is out the next day because you know this is a day in history Um, I was there when cinema was allowed uh, back in 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 Saudi Arabia I saw the first concert, public concert, where women and men were sitting together, 
you know, um, I was there through unfortunate events as well. Uh, missiles falling over uh, uh, Riyadh, the attack on uh, Aramco. Um, but, in you know, it, it is very unfortunate. I hope it never happens again. But, you know, this is the bread and butter of what we do uh, as journalists. The kind of complete opposite is sitting there doing nothing and uh, working nine to five and, um, you know, not having anything to, significant to write about. Yeah, so complete change there. And, and, you, and, you, and you sense as, as kind of an external observer, you know, that, that, that Saudi Arabia has, has opened itself up much, much, much more. I mean, you, you obviously see it. I mean, this, this. I think we're we're looking at the, you know, the week after, the tourist visas were available to to to, you know, a number. A number of nationalities. I think you've had twenty-four thousand in the last ten days. So. Correct. So forty-nine countries are now uh, allowed to come uh, immediately to to Saudi Arabia visa upon arrival. Um, essentially, yes, it is. It is opening up. It is opening up for journalists as well. Um, you know, we have uh, the FII coming. Uh, the future. Yeah. You know, that's always the week after our Majlis. Yes, yes exactly. Yeah. So um, you'll have people from CNN, Bloomberg uh, attending. Um, uh, essentially, there, uh, despite which, and I think what is significant is, is despite the number of uh, articles, for example, in the New York Times or the Washington Post uh, that you see about uh, Saudi Arabia, um, you know, there has been a drive, uh, even with the visas now, uh, to allow journalists to 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 come Saudi Arabia. I know um, the uh, there is a government drive. This is not to be mistaken by saying that, um, you know, there's not room for improvement about how to deal with uh, inquiries, etc. But there has been a drive, for example, a center for international communication has been set up to respond to media inquiries. Um, I think we do need a little bit more in terms of developing spokespersons for uh, different government bodies. But uh, in, in essence, the idea is to be a bit more uh, responsive to uh, media inquiries. Yeah, that's it's, it's, that's great to hear. I mean, just on your, I mean, just uh, I guess you know the the question I wanted to ask is, you know, if you as a twenty first century editor in chief of you know Arab news, you know, it's one of the most you know fast moving, you know, and 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 a point in time where society is really changing. I mean, it does feel like a tipping point. You know, what what are the kind of big things on your mind as a as an editor-in-chief of a modern media organization in Saudi? Uh, well, essentially what we are, we're, we're a fast-moving public good. So uh, what we do, I really think what we do is a public service. And this is what keeps us excited. And, you know, we are telling the story. I mean, actually, the slogan that we came up with with our relaunch last year is the voice of a changing region. Because uh, we look back and one of our competitive advantages is we were established in 1975. And, um, you know, uh, that's um, longer than most other English language dailies have uh, existed. And that means that we have an advantage uh, of saying that, you know, we were there uh, when uh, the Ayatollahs took over uh, Iran. We were there when the takeover of the Holy Mosque happened in 1979. And we all know what happened after that in terms of the radicalization of, of the region. Uh, we were there during uh, the Gulf War. We were there when uh, the Berlin Wall uh, fell down. We were there in 9-11. Um, so, uh, you know, we do have 
uh, a legacy in, in, in that front. And that is both, both an honor and a responsibility. So uh, because we, we have that kind of uh, archive and we have that knowledge, um, we believe that we're in a, a very good position to be able to analyze, to be able to explain uh, this very complicated part of the world. And this is the responsibility of being uh, the voice of a changing region. So we are the international voice of, of the region. Essentially, and you know, we didn't just make this up. Essentially, the, the, the story of the foundation of Arab News goes that in 1975, um, the late King Faisal of Saudi Arabia, uh, and he was known for being, uh, you know, uh, very upset about how Arab causes have been misrepresented in international media. So uh, he decided that uh, it's time for the Arabs to have a voice uh, in English. And that's how Arab News started. Of course, uh, with time and commercial interest, it's became very local Saudi newspaper. When I was brought in, my mandate was to make it more global and more digital. So far, we uh, we launched two years ago an edition in Pakistan, and uh, in ten days we're launching uh, our Japan edition, which will be our very first international edition in a, a language other than English. Yeah. We're actually doing it in Japanese. Yeah. So why Japan? So um, Japan is a very important country for for the region uh, in the sense that it's a net importer of energy. 85% of the oil uh, that Japan relies on to essentially to stay alive comes from this part of the world. 40% comes from Saudi Arabia. So um, it just happened that I was there uh, when the uh, problems around the Strait of Hormuz started. And, you know, there was uh, a high level security meeting in the government of, of Japan because essentially this is their bread and butter. And uh, coincidentally as well, I was there a day after the attack on Aramco uh, happened in, in, in Riyadh, and I've seen the horror uh, they've had. Uh, you know, um, that came a week after uh, a tornado happened and left a whole village without electricity. So um, they, uh, they know what it means to live without energy and without, without electricity. And they, they rely heavily on the region. Um, from, our, uh, from our end, uh, for the region, uh, Japan is a very good example of a country that uh, modernized but also remained very loyal uh, to its own traditions and its own heritage. Um, in a way, in a similar way that you see people wearing kanduras uh, or thobes in Saudi Arabia or the UAE, in a, you know a modern uh, city such as Dubai or uh, or Riyadh, and there is no sort of conflict. You know, it's very common to see a Japanese wearing a kimono, riding a bullet train, uh, and nobody would look uh, at them uh, bizarre. I mean, and, and if you look, if you think, you know, for a moment about kind of sort of how Western countries uh, did it, you know, if you were wearing a cowboy hat and Texas boots in, in New York, people would, you know, look at you in a, in a bizarre way. So, um, and uh, for us, there is a definitely a lesson to be learned from Japan. And uh, the, the Japanese way of modernization is really going to help us in Saudi Arabia in the sense that we've realized that the extremists or the religious conservatives um, you know, aren't opposed to modernization, but uh, are afraid of losing our uh, tradition and heritage. So uh, the Japanese model could be something that would reassure people that, look, this is what's possible. Uh, and you don't really have to let go of your identity uh, if you modernize. Yeah. 
Okay, well, good luck with that. We were hoping to get your uh, deputy editor, Tarek Mishkas, with us, uh, but he's been taken to Japan as well. So uh, good luck. Just a, a couple of questions on, on in, in, terms of, in terms of the kind of you know, the, 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 the modern and the traditional and, and on, in a media perspective. How do you think um, Saudi Arabia has balanced uh, keeping up with readers' demands for uh, information in kind of print versus digital, and, and how does that dynamic play out from from your point of view as Arab Arab news? Absolutely. Well, look, we're looking at uh, one of the uh, lack of similarities, for example, which we have with a country like Japan is you know they have around seventy thousand people who are over one hundred uh, years old. Um, on the complete flip side, uh, Saudi Arabia is a country where the people uh, uh, who are younger than 30 form 70%. So it is only a matter of time, I'm afraid, uh, before the, unless print really re-innovates or reimagines uh, its position, um, most people are consuming their uh, news digitally. Um, you know, you have platforms such as Twitter, are completely massive. Of course, that doesn't come without its problems. There's a huge problem with fake news. There's a huge problem with cyberbullying. Um, there's a huge uh, problem with inauthentic messaging, you know, sort of paid for uh, messaging, which is one thing when somebody's doing a brand endorsement for a detergent, but, you know, when it's a political idea uh, or, um, you know, uh, or even a radical idea, that's, that's a real problem. Um, so uh, on average, every Saudi has two mobile phones. I'm just holding my two mobile phones here just to kind of show. They're, they're definitely two mobile phones. <laughs> two mobile phones. And actually there's one in my but pocket. But you've also got a file of how you've got three mobile phones. Yeah, so, but the, being the only English language paper in Saudi Arabia uh, and being the newspaper of record for all the ministries and the embassies, that meant that, that, meant that Arab news has a bit more lifeline uh, in the sense that we were probably the last to get rid of our print edition because you know it is still read at every embassy at every ministry it's the uh, newspaper all the uh, delegates or all the consultants uh, come it's the newspaper whenever uh, for example we have uh, president putin coming uh, in a few days to saudi arabia um, uh, we've already had a lot of requests from uh, russian ministers who want to be interviewed and who want to show so um, uh, we'll probably be the last to to go away but uh, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be the first to think digital and um, I'm very proud to say that uh, we are leading the way in terms of the digital transformation uh, in Saudi Arabia. It's, it's interesting you, you you mentioned so you've got a, you've got a, a visit from from Vladimir Putin and suddenly you've got you've got a demand from lots of people who want to appear in Arab news presumably to get the ear of government in Saudi Arabia. Is oh that- yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and you know, there's a lot of uh, business interests. There, there are a lot of mutual uh, investments. People want to portray their opportunities, and uh, yeah. So uh, you know, as I said, it's a, it's a big responsibility. Uh, um, we uh, we need to kind of challenge when we need to challenge. We need to uh, verify the the information, uh, and uh, of course, uh, it's not easy because there are no uh, journalism schools in Saudi Arabia that uh, teach in English, and uh, we're an English language daily. So uh, we're investing heavily in training. Um, we're relying on so and, one of the and things. What proportion of your staff are Saudi Arabian? Um, so again, uh, another another challenge that I had is when I first came in, we had 
less than five Saudis on on the team. And uh, Arab News historically has been uh, built uh, by expats, which is something we're very uh, thankful for. We're proud of our team. We've had uh, one uh, um, Asian uh, journalist who's working with us for 40 years now. We, uh, last year it was his 40th anniversary we, we made sure we honor them um, but we took it not as a challenge but as an opportunity so we are training uh, most of our offices in Saudi Arabia now are staffed by Saudis mostly women as it happens um, we we rely on international staff in offices such as the ones we created in Dubai and uh, you've got a bureau in London as well right? yes we have a bureau yeah. in London and uh, we're, uh, we have a large bureau now in Asia right. uh, for our Pakistan edition, okay. which heads our also our uh, Asia operations, okay. and we're opening a very small one in in, in, in Tokyo, and hopefully Washington next year. Um, but um, we uh, think we genuinely think that the Saudi story uh, is better told by people who are part of you know have have a stake in it, so uh, they probably would understand it better and uh, would be able to be a bit more passionate uh, about it. Uh, and I think between our local and international offices, we strike a good balance. Um, but the last thing I want to say is we never look at nationality or gender as basis of, of, of hiring. It's always going to be uh, quality. Um, uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's a challenge and an opportunity at the same time to be faced with this situation where, you know, the Ministry of Labor does not allow you to hire international journalists in, in Saudi Arabia. Um, there are no journalism schools in English. It's just meant that it's an additional thing that we have to deal with. And our solution was a very sophisticated training program uh, in partnership with uh, AFP and uh, some, um, you know, renowned international uh, trainers um, to help people to coach our people in Saudi Arabia. Interesting. So just going, I'm just, yeah, that's great. Just going back to the the idea, and obviously, because we're on a, we're on a, we're on a PR podcast here, so uh, you've got to expect us to be a little bit self-interested. So obviously, I'm presuming... PR people self-interested? No. Well, wanting to sell themselves. <laughs> you surprise me. But so, so you're presumably inundated with PRs who are looking to get their, their story across in Arab news. I mean, it is the, you know, the English language uh, paper of record for, you know, arguably for the, for the, for the whole region from here to here to here to north africa you know how do you what 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 is what is the relationship that arab news is seeking to establish with prs what's going to help them you know cut through with you because presumably you you obviously can't publish everything you know what are the things that particularly spark interest and go you know we can work with this we can't work with this so i think look a big burden has been at least from my end uh, the way i look at it a big burden has been removed off our shoulders by the creation of everybody's favorite people who are called influencers so these people are happy to take money you know uh, they're happy to try the products they're happy to uh, to kind of blog about them or uh, do vines or uh, whatever it is they do with them um look i am of the school that any anyone or anything can be a news lead so from my end, I always tell our team that, you know, when we deal with PR agencies or with PR practitioners, consider them a partner in the sense that this could potentially be an informer. Of course, like a lobbyist, which is essentially how I look at PR people, there, there is a vested interest. And uh, our job is to uh, match that vested interest with balance and uh, take it with a, a bit of uh, salt. But... Um, you know, what 
uh, annoys me and a lot of other journalists is sort of the one size fits all approach to to pitching to uh, to media in in the sense of media relations. Um, I barely have time to take calls in this job, but in my previous job as editor of Al Arabiya English, uh, you know, I actually had a folder called bad PR in my in, in my email, <laughs> and so essentially Arabiya was a uh, you know politics only uh, platform talking about you know pan arab you know such as the war in syria the war in yemen etc why on earth would i want to receive a press release from build the bear workshop telling me about the new ninja turtle collection and that you know if i bring my uh, kids unless they knew something i didn't know i mean i'm i'm quite sure i don't have any kids um, i hope <laughs> i hope nobody surprises me <laughs> with, with with any news um, I, i you know i i wouldn't need and then you know um, i i got another call from um, this is in Dubai I got another call from a new uh, PR practitioner insisted to speak to me over the phone and he's like hi hi he's like I'm calling you from so and so PR company I'm like yes great how can I help you you know we do the uh, you know PR for the shopping festival at a certain shopping center in, in Dubai and you know all shops are doing certain percentage off 50% off or whatever it is you know there's ice cream and there's you know you can take your kids to play etc and just to make it worth your while I don't know why people insist I have children I honestly don't just, <laughs> just, just, just for the record every time somebody That, that scares me but uh, <laughs> but and then he's like and then you know the, the kind of cherry on top was like oh just to make it worth your time we're giving you 180 dirham voucher so you can spend it the way you like I'm like honey do you want to give me a mani patty as well uh, and uh, she's like I don't understand I'm like do you know what I do she's like yeah you're editor of Al Arabia I said yes do you know what that is it's a magazine I'm like no it's not a magazine it's a website it's a political website etc so unless you have so, like an exclusive on Bashar al-Assad leaving power in, in In Syria, please do not waste my time or, or or yours. So this is what I mean. The one size, uh, you know. So people work off a media list. There is no time taken to think about who the person is pitching. I mean, the thing is, this is all Googleable. It's not like you know you have to go to the public library and go to the who's who like you did in the 80s to find out who does what or the Guardian Media directory. It's all there. If you Google Arabia or you Google my name, you'll see what sort of stories I'm interested the, in. The, 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 the key is probably in the name public relations. Yes, absolutely. So um, it's, but, but you know, sloppiness exists in all industries. And similarly, just to be fair, you know, there are journalists who are guilty of the same. Um, uh, guilty of the same kind of conduct. Um, uh, I know for sure that there are journalists who double dip. Uh, there are journalists who get paid for stories. There are journalists who like to receive gifts. Thankfully, none of them work for Arab News. And those who did, we got rid of uh, immediately. And uh, it, it shouldn't be. Uh, in, in, in all honesty, if everything is above the table, everything is over the table, if everything done in, in clarity, um, if, if somebody is pitching you the right story for the right angle, there is no reason why you should have a conversation over lunch uh, or uh, at the office discussing the potential story. So, you know, uh, if you are talking about a real estate developer or a bank or et cetera, and you're talking to a business editor, they say, fine, um, you know, give me the exclusive. The other thing is people don't understand how media operates. And, you know, typically FPRs, they want to please everybody. So um, I was working in my previous, previous, previous job at uh, the regional Pan-Arab daily, Al-Sharq Al-Awsat, whose main competitor is Al-Hayat. So I had a PR person call me once. He's like, we have an exclusive for you uh, about this story. This is going to appear only in Al-Sharq Al-Awsat and Al-Hayat. 
And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> how, how is that an exclusive? They're like, yeah, but you know, we have a good relationship. We can't upset them. I'm like, well, then you've just upset me. And I just hung up, the, <laughs> I hung up at the phone. So right. uh, when, when is bad PR, the book going to be released? Oh, well, and, that's my retirement. can we market it no, as that's Metro? My, that's my retirement plan. It's actually a very good uh, idea. But, uh, you know, the whole industry is changing. And yeah, I bet, yeah. you know, uh, on your side of the events, it's equally changing and it's equally challenging yeah. with all the kind of voices that are now emerging. So yeah, I would uh, be interested to hear your yeah, thoughts. I was, I was, I was going to ask you, uh, you know, we've obviously got, you know, the Metro Leadership Majlis for the first time happening in Saudi Arabia. Uh, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll be in two, two weeks time. Um, uh, but, you know what, I think that's the first time we've had a public relations conference like this in Saudi. Uh, and I'm just, you know, what, what, what do you think the, how do you see that as a, in terms of, you, you talked earlier about government communicators becoming, you know, stepping up their game, becoming more responsive, you know, what, what other benefits do you think raising the awareness of public relations practice and, and getting this kind of multidisciplinary approach that we're, we're trying to get with getting you guys involved and, you know, get, getting a range of people from across the communications well, sector see, in? Um, I famously wrote a column after the last year's uh, unfortunate uh, events that have happened, uh, which we also have to cover, uh, calling for a Freedom of Information Act. Uh, you know, this is essentially a pitch to the ministry uh, at the time saying, you know, uh, we need to up our game in this front. And it was very well received, uh, by the way. Um, what I would urge is dealing with the, your clients is urge them to be open. And, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, and I know the challenge that, you know, uh, PR agencies have dealing with clients because the client is at the end of the day, pays the check and uh, calls the shots. But uh, sometimes we need to all work to manage expectations. Sometimes, um, you know, you cannot make a story go away. Uh, your best bet is to control the damage. Uh, your best bet is to make it from uh, bad to neutral. Uh, not everybody's going to applaud. Not everybody's going to be positive. And um, I think collectively between the private sector, the NGOs and the government, uh, we all need to explain to people that this is how it works. You know, you cannot just... Uh, you know, splash money and expect it to go away. Uh, and, you know, um, uh, the number of press releases sent out does not guarantee you coverage. The amount of journalists who attend an event does not guarantee you coverage. Um, you know, if, uh, you know, and I think it was either Eric Page, um, sorry, uh, Eric Schmidt or Larry Page, um, uh, no, it was Eric Schmidt that said, you know, in this day and age, if you want people not to know about something bad that you've done, you're better off not doing it. That's the only way to guarantee. Uh, and um, I don't know the exact quote, I'm just telling you the meaning of it, but in, in essence, uh, people should, you know, I think we should all uh, explain uh, to people that it's becoming much harder to spin stories. And whilst people will forgive a mistake, uh, they, will not be for, they will not forgive lie being lied to. And this is a very important thing uh, for both PR practitioners and for uh, for journalists. Just as a last question, because I realise we've been uh, we've been taking up a lot of your time, and you don't have very much of it. You know, if you put your if you put your future gazing glasses on, uh, uh, what sort of what sort of crazy vision can you can you see of what Saudi Arabia and the media landscape are going to look like in in three years' time? Well, look. I am quite confident. I mean, look, the mere fact that we are even discussing a Freedom of Information Act, uh, and it's available if you Google it, it's in, it's in my column, 
Um, I know for a fact that there's been a big push to appoint spokespersons in all ministries. There's a big push from the government forcing ministries to be a bit more reactive. Um, we famously did a story about spokespersons at different government bodies that don't reply, and we measure it, like who are the best and who are the worst. Um, I think, uh, um, you know, this is not more, this is more my wishful thinking. This is more what I'll be working day and night to achieve. But I would like my country to be leading the way in terms of better uh, media relations and better practices. Yes, there has been a lot of mistakes. Some of them are very uh, painful, but we can either choose to sit and uh, weep and uh, you know dig our hands at the sand and say we'll never improve and this is it, or we can do our very best to turn a bad situation to a positive one. And this is what I'm hoping to do. Faisal, it's been great talking to you this morning. Thank you very much for your time. Pleasure. Thank you. That's all for today. Don't forget to secure your seat to the Saudi Leadership Majlis at mepra.org forward slash events. The event is going to tackle some of our industry's biggest trends, challenges and opportunities. We've got speakers from Saudi, the UK government, Red Sea Development Company, YouTube, IPRA, Page and our media partners, Arab News. Of course, it wouldn't have been possible without our sponsors, uh, Aquapower, Apco Worldwide, Karma, Four Communications, Guinness World Records, as well as uh, partners Arab News, IPRA and Page and Saudia. Our next episode is going to feature a preview of our Creative Communications Conference Remap, which is going to take place in Dubai on the 19th of November 2019. See you next time. Thanks for listening to The Brief.